you know, it's almost like that that percentage of white people that I'm talking about, it's almost as though they don't seem to realize that the battle that they're fighting, it's really over. It's really over. I mean, you know, from a social standpoint, it's been over. Politics this week with Josh Moon and David Person. <laughs> the, the announcement of your name is getting longer and longer. <laughs> you should add in your middle name next week, or just like your middle initial, and then your middle name sometime down the line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just right, trying to make sure, man. People always that, add it. I, I told you, people always add an S to my name, so I try to the, I know, make sure a, it's clear. Had you on the phone with David Persons for a long time. David yeah. Persons. I said, uh, you in Persons? I was like, no, it's Person. Who? Person. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, listen, we're, uh, we're a little different this week. So if something happens on Thursday or later, uh, we won't cover it. Sorry. We're, uh, we're recording on Wednesday uh, this week. I have to travel uh, tomorrow. And so we'll be out of town for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, this was the only time we could do it. And so this is, uh, you know, David's a busy man. He's got like a, he's got like an hour and a half gap for us, uh, like every, every so often, every now and then. And that's all he's got. And he's like, if you can fit it in there, I'll do it for you. But if not, I'm going off with my more famous friends to do other more famous podcasts. And, um, and that's, uh, and that's all we can do. Uh, listen, I've, he, I mean, that's the way it works. He's like, he's got a rider and everything. We've got to give him the Skittles with the green ones picked out and, uh, you know, it's, Oh, it's, did I get uh, to the point where I can get a rider? That'll be great. <laughs> then I'll know I've made it. That's right. That's right. All right. So we uh, we wanted to talk about uh, two things in the open here, uh, uh-huh. two newsy things. One, uh, we're redistricting. Uh, and you're also going to want to hang with us because we've got uh, Randy Kelly, uh, uh, the chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, coming in to uh, discuss what went on at a nine-hour marathon meeting uh, that took mm-hmm. place, I assume, in D.C., um, last Friday before the Rules and Bylaws Committee. I, kn- I know some folks were in D.C. Some people were over Zoom. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I believe Randy Kelly was in the room. Um, and so we will uh, get his accounting of what took place and uh, how he feels coming out of that. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, we also we also talk to him about redistricting and about the um, House District Ten race, where yeah. uh, Marilyn Lands has already already announced uh, that she's going to run, and, um, and and a few other things as well. So, uh, but first, first we have uh, redistricting to talk about because uh, there have been responses and requests and appeals filed uh, by this state to the Supreme Court. Uh, now officially uh, asking them to put a stay on the drawing of a new congressional map. And uh, the Supreme Court has asked for a response from the plaintiffs by September the 19th. And that is coming up pretty quick. Uh, The responses from the state are, as usual, hilarious. Uh, And in their... Uh, in their boldness and in their ridiculousness. Uh, and that the fact that you have Wes Allen submitting something that said, Wes Allen, by the way, is the new secretary of state. He's the new John Merrill. Um, that you have 
you have Wes Allen submitting something that says essentially that we can't draw this new map because doing so would segregate by race. Yeah. Which is the problem that we already have is that exactly. you segregated by race, uh, except for when you segregated by race, you did so in a manner in which negatively impacted the power of one particular race's vote. Um, and so shut up. I mean, really shut up. This is it's so, so disingenuous and so stupid. Well, you know, the it, it, it's a very flimsy, uh, you know, it's a very flimsy argument. It's a bogus argument. But I think I think at the root of it is this long running sort of supposition, which is that. It's not racist if we don't intend it to be racist. Right. So they're they're taking the you know what what he's not saying, but he's implying is that. The current configuration of congressional districts can't possibly be racist because we didn't intend them to be racist. We mm-hmm. just did it based on population. Yeah. Well, um, it it may be impossible to prove that in a quantifiable way, but I believe it was done intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talk all the time about stacking. And and some of these other techniques that have been used to basically ghettoize, and yes, I'm going to use that word, ghettoize the black vote in Alabama. And so I think that's that it absolutely, these congressional districts absolutely have been designed based on race, even if you want to say by default, even if you want to say, well, we didn't design them based on race. Josh and Dave, we designed them based on uh, party. Well, mm-hmm. in this state, designing anything by party is de facto defining it, designing it by race. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. all know that. Yeah. So there's just no getting away from it. It's a flimsy argument at best. It's just dumb at worst. Yeah. Well, we all know our Alabama lawmakers. Um, you know, and and we know that uh, you know when they when they went into the room to draw these maps up, okay, they didn't just accidentally stumble into uh, a, a map in which all of these certain districts were carved out uh, of you know in certain areas. You know, this little this little chunk of Montgomery County was carved out and, and pushed over into Terry Sewell's district. Uh, you know, the, the way the, the, you know, the little fingers snake up into Jefferson County uh, and, and the, into certain areas for Terry Sewell's district. You, you know what you're doing. Okay. I mean, you, you know what you're doing. And then on top of that, even if you didn't know what you're doing in the months since then, numerous people, including federal judges and one of the more conservative courts, in, yeah. in this country yeah. have come up and said, this is clearly designed to limit the power of black voters in this state. You have done this on purpose. You have gone about it in a manner in which you've stacked black voters into certain districts. And it's clear that this is what's happened. And let's say it's not intentional on your on your part. OK, well, the, you still have somebody telling you that's what's happening here. So why didn't you fix it? But instead of fixing it, they have fought 
tooth and nail to keep from uh, from repairing this this obvious flaw that they have where they're stacking black voters into certain districts so they will not have impact in other districts. And they listen, they don't just do it in congressional maps. They do it in every map that we have, in the House map, in the Senate maps. All of them are done the exact same way. They're all designed exactly the same way to limit the influence of black voters in certain districts, which is why we have a legislature that is slowly filling, well, slowly, quickly filling with complete and utter fruitcakes that we that you can't have a conversation with about anything because they're insane. That's the reason why we have a uh, an abortion law in this state right now that is wholly unpopular with roughly 75% of the people in the state. All right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's how we got here is because they don't have to care about anybody from moderate to the left. All right. And they I mean, even approaching moderate to the left, they don't have to care about them. All they have to do is recruit the psychotic base of the Republican Party that still some of which still believes Donald Trump is president and that there is, you know, going to be an impeachment of Joe Biden that's successful. Uh, And it's just insanity is all it is. And the idea that you think that these maps are cool, that's not that's not an accident. It's not a, oh, uh, it just happened that way sort of thing. That's racism, man. Absolutely. Uh, and it's baked into the the culture. Uh, I forgot to tell you, and well, <clears throat> I'm going to be writing about this uh, for Alabama Political Reporter this week, mm-hmm. but I forgot to tell you about an experience I had in Montgomery this past weekend. I was there on business for a few days and uh, staying at the embassy suites, right? Oh, yeah. So um, I'm on the fifth floor of the embassy suites uh, waiting for an elevator and a white couple comes up. Uh, In fact, they were there. I think they were there before I was there, actually. So I came up and they were there. Um, They um, and I don't know how else to explain this, Josh, other than to just say it in this way. They, from a visual appearance, they checked off all the boxes about uh, uh, Alabama stereotypes about poor white people. Uh uh I'm not going to use the words that people typically use to describe them, but people know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Very scruffy looking couple. Right. So um, I uh, so when the when the elevator doors open for us to get on. They're they're closest to the elevator they get on. I get on right behind them. And then there's some kind of an exchange between them. And I hear the husband say, well, good luck with that. And then the wife says, looking in my direction. She didn't make eye contact with me, but she looked in my direction. And she said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, it's really a shame when people don't know any better than to get on the elevator with uh, uh, somebody of a different race. What? God is my witness, man. I'm not making this up. God is my witness. I was, I was actually stunned because I've never in, I've lived in Alabama for over 40 years. And yes, I've seen racism. Yes, I've been the target of racism, but it's never been like that. And it's never been in close quarters. It was absolutely mind-blowing to me that she said it. 
And of course, I was I was enraged. And I'm making I'm going to connect this back to what we're talking about. Sure. No, no, no. You go ahead. Yeah. So I was enraged inside, but I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And I'm glad I didn't, because these days you never know, you know, yeah. Uh, they they could have if I had said something and if things had escalated, she may have run out of that elevator saying he's trying to rape me, or the husband mm-hmm. may have been strapped and pulled a gun. Who knows, right? Right. So I just didn't say anything. When we got to the first floor and the doors open, uh, I gestured for them to go first, and the husband just shook his head no and gestured for me to go. So I, I left, and and that was the end of our encounter. But what it told me was there is still very deeply rooted in the culture of white people in this state. And I'm not saying that that they typify most white people because I don't think they do. Mm. But there still is in the culture of white people in this state, people who not only feel the way they feel, but who have the audacity and the hubris to say it. And of course, it's it's kind of laughable to me because I'm looking at them thinking, you know, in the aftermath, I'm reflecting on this and I was talking to one of my colleagues about it. And I'm thinking, y'all thought I wanted to be on the elevator with you? <laughs> really? You, yeah. you thought I wanted to be on the elevator with you? No, it's just the way it worked out. But, you know, I never would have thought about, I never would have gone in my mind, Josh, a step further with I wouldn't have gone back to my colleagues and said, oh, oh man, I was just on the elevator with these scruffy looking white people. I mm-hmm. never would have done that. Um, had it not been for the fact that she said what she said. Yeah. So I'm saying again, I think when we talk about the kind of people that Wes Allen is appealing to, it's those kind of people. It's people, and I'm not talking about yeah. their appearance now. I'm talking about people who have the audacity to say something like that, you know, yeah. not just think it, but to say it. Yeah. Well, you know, a couple of things. Well, one, I'm sorry that happened for my, let me apologize for my people. Uh, <laughs> we're, you know, we're trying, I'm trying to bring them up, but that we've still got some, some ignorance that are that just refuse to learn. Uh, second, <laughs> it's a shame that you didn't have a white folding chair. Uh, uh. <laughs> you're only steps away from where it all went down uh, at, at the Embassy Suites there. That's uh, you're true. right there that's on the true. river. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's, uh, yeah, listen, it, you, every now and then you'll hear a story along these lines uh, of somebody who just, they do something just so completely and totally outrageously racist. Uh, there was a story uh, just the other day of a woman who was convicted of uh, in federal court uh, for ter- basically terrorizing her next door neighbors who were black. And she was doing it on purpose to try to get them to move yeah. uh, because they were black. And she would uh, you know, she was hanging dolls uh, over the you know, from trees and things. And um, and it's just. Man, it. I don't know why it does, but it still kind of catches me off guard, you know, just like, holy hell, what? You know, mm. like, what, what? How did y'all miss all of the talks? You know, I mean, how did you miss everything? Um, you know, and it it just is uh, it, it's so. It's so disappointing 
Mm. You know, I mean, it really is. It's so it's so disappointing to know that there are still people out there that um, that still hold feelings about people based on the color of their skin. I mean, all of the things that we've learned, all of the science and everything else, and that, that, that this thing still persists, that, you know, that somehow just because of the color of your skin, you're different. Then, you know, that makes you different than somebody else, you know, in the way you think or your dreams, your aspirations or what you want to do, whatever, you know, uh, the danger that you are to somebody else. It's so, it's 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 idiotic, you yeah. know, it's yeah. idiotic. And and there it, it I don't know, man, it just it just is in, insane. And you're right, though. This all this is historically been the people that the that the right wing and the Republican party now have, have coveted and mm. it's, and they've done so just exactly because of what we were talking about. They, they need that base to win elections in a gerrymandered state. And that's all they care about. Meanwhile, going back to the embassy suites for a minute. Meanwhile, mm. Josh, there were, and I, and I took note of this, especially because of what I experienced in the elevator. There were plenty of black people and white people interacting mm -hmm. freely, happily, no hangups, uh, you know, people that were coexisting, you know, tr you know, we were there getting breakfast and people being polite to people and chatting with people. You know, it's almost like that that percentage of white people that I'm talking about, it's almost as though they don't seem to realize that the battle that they're fighting, it's really over. Yeah. yeah. It's really over. It I really mean, is, yeah. you know, from a social standpoint, it's been over because not only are, you know, have the laws made it so that it's over, mm -hmm. but people's mindsets are not where they are. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I saw a group of, uh, I think it was military folks who were there um, for something. And, um, and, you know, there are blacks and whites and they're partying together, having drinks and just hanging out and people don't, you know, by and large, you didn't see people that appear to have those kinds of hangups. Now, mm -hmm. you know, are they, you know, with, you know, are they all of the same political persuasion? I don't know. Right. You know, I don't know. There may have been plenty of Trumpers, you know, hanging out and partying with the black folks or, yeah. or vice versa, you know, but. But at least in terms of, you know, their mindset about what really matters when it comes to people and race, th those two people on the elevator, they're relics. Yes. They just don't know it. They're relics yeah. of the past. Yeah, they really are. And and they, they've really been squeezed into isolation in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, and thankfully, they've been squeezed mm -hmm. into isolation. And, you know, the, the other thing that strikes me about it is uh, – you know, you hear this all the time. Well, there's racists on, you know, in, in all groups of people and all, and all things like that. And and maybe that's true to a certain degree. But oh, I'll tell you this. Is, yeah. I, I, I covered a, a historically black college, uh, you know, and I was a, you know, white kid with no clue. OK, I mean, I come from from Decatur and uh, and my experience with 
with black folks at that particular time was I had, you know, I, I didn't, I never really thought much about it because I went to a school that was almost 50, 50 black, white, uh, you know, played basketball a lot with a lot of, and you know, had, had a lot of black friends, not just one, had a lot of black mm-hmm. friends. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of white friends as well. And, you know, and I was, as I've told you before, I'm essentially, I have a lot of redneck tendencies, uh, you know, with hunting and fishing and NASCAR and things like that. But, um, you know, so, but I, you know, I walked onto that campus at Alabama state to cover them. And I, I can't tell you that I ever felt unwelcomed or that I was in any danger or that people wouldn't talk to me because I was white. Um, I would, I would say that I don't know of any reporter that ever had as much success getting stuff out of folks uh, on a campus as I did with the people at ASU. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that that was because of me. I just think it was because of the way we both treated each other, which was I don't really care that y'all were were black or that, and that I was white and that there was a difference here. You know, I just went in and was like, hey, I got a job to do. We're going to do it. Uh, and, you know, and I, I don't, but you know, so that that's my kind of experience. And not only there, but I mean, at, at all campus, I went all over the place, man. I went to you ever been to Itabina, Mississippi? Because I have. Um yeah. I've yeah. been there. Uh, and uh, covered uh, Mississippi Valley State. I've been to Grambling. I've been to Alcorn. I've been, uh, you know, down into uh, Louisiana at, uh, at Southern. Um, I've been uh, I've been over to Valdosta State and to, uh, and to Albany State and to I've some of the other. I've been to Valdosta State. Yes, I have. I, I've been there, too. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, listen, I, I've been, you know, I covered Tuskegee for a long time as well. Yeah. Um, uh, no, man, I, I had to I had to help another uh, photographer us out with the folks at Tuskegee because he had he had stepped on some toes. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's you know, I'm just saying it it never it my experience was never one in which I was mistreated because of my race in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listen, we had, we went and covered a a game at at. Uh, uh, Legion Field uh, over there. My laptop got stolen just like the black reporter's laptops got stolen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in that particular one, I don't, we don't know what happened, but somebody came through while we were all down on the field and stole some laptops. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's life. I, I mean, I guess. And so I, I just, it troubles me that we still have a lot of white people out there because I got to tell you, if any group ought to be racist, it's black folks in this country, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, they're, they're the ones that ought to be mistrusting and, and, and angry all the time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think the truth of the matter is a lot of us are angry, uh, certainly at times. And, uh, you know, uh, but we manage it. And that's because you have to. You can't just live your life an angry person, you know, mad at the world. Nor can you, if you're going to be successful in this life. And fair and just in this life, you can't just assume that because somebody is white that they are racist. Yeah. You know, any more than than any assumption should be made about any of us because we're black. You know, you just, you know, you engage with people and then you learn them and then yeah. you make your, de- your decisions about who and what they are. And uh, and I can tell you, and I, I, I was having this conversation with somebody recently that even applies to politics. Some, one of the best, one of the most supportive people of my career was a Trump voter. Hmm. And, that's, and that is, again, that is not a lie. That's the truth. 
Yeah. I won't name his name, but in terms of he was a former client of mine, you know, he voted for Trump. He was a he was a uh, he was an unabashed conservative, but he has been as supportive of of my career and my business as anybody ever and yeah. and more supportive than most. And we have a good rapport despite our political differences. Yeah. So, you know, I think again, you just have to, you know, we have to you have to sort of see the humanity in people and 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 look past the artifice, you know, the skin color or gender or religion or you know, sexual preference or gender identity, all of those things and see people for people and politics and see people for people. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you that there's a, there was a great Saturday night live skit mm-hmm. uh, of uh, black jeopardy and Tom Hanks was on and he was a Trump supporter uh, on, on black jeopardy. Have you ever seen this? I'm trying to remember. I don't uh, think so. They, I think his name was Doug and, uh, and you know, they, they expected the worst from Doug. And then uh, they had some categories and he gave some answers about uh, uh, our, uh, the government uh, and uh, the election. Uh, and he's uh, one of the answers was, my vote doesn't count. They already know who's going to win those things. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I just remember uh, Keenan. Uh, like, yes. Yes, Doug. Yes, that's exactly right. Doug, you okay. You okay. It's, uh, and it's, uh, it just, you know, it was like a surprising turn. And then, uh, the, uh, the final Jeopardy category, uh, right before it went off was lives that matter. <laughs> Been nice knowing you, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really funny skit, but no, it's, um, you know, it, it just, it annoys me to no end, you know, the, the, the unwillingness that people have to get to know one another. And, you know, I, you know, I, I've said before, you, you, people all the time talk about the, the change to, from Republican to Democrat in Georgia. Um, and, you know, they, they attribute a lot of it to Atlanta and a, a growing population population of black voters in Atlanta. And and that's true. That's true. But also in those suburbs around Atlanta, there are a lot of white people now that are voting not based on the same old tired Republican talking points. And they have slowly become Democratic voters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do, I believe, and I think there's some evidence of this, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are living now in and among a lot of black people. And those white people have become friends with a lot of black people. And they have come to find out that you can't vilify your friends, that, that somebody, some politician somewhere cannot vilify your friends. You know who those people are because you're, you're living around them. You're going, your kids are going to school together. You're in sports leagues together. You're talking all the time. You know that their dreams and aspirations and work ethic and, uh, and things that they want for their families and, and how they want their communities and neighborhoods to be, you know, that they're roughly the same as you, you know, mm-hmm. it's just that y'all have had different pathways to get there. Uh, you may have different tastes and different likes about a few things here or there, but for the most part, you know that you're all good people. And so it's been impossible to vilify based on race. And so then it comes down to an issue of policy. And when it comes down to an issue of policy, Republicans don't have any. And they get their asses beat on that all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what has happened in a large degree over in Georgia. Uh, but, you know, that's a, 
Yeah, I think that, that that that's the fear around here. That's why it's so important what we're talking about now with this redistricting case. Because if you do put a large number of black voters back into different areas of this state, you could ha- you could force some real change, and you could force uh, some people to actually pay attention uh, to the saner people. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying everybody all of a sudden is going to be a, a Democrat renaissance or anything right. like that. But but at the same time, you do you you can't influence people to not be so damn crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, you know, each each journey starts with one step, and I think this is an important first step that hopefully will go the way it needs to go, so that we can get closer to what we we know we need to see in our state because we got a lot of work to do and yep. there's there's a there are a lot of things that need correcting and addressing and um, the status quo is not going to get it done nope you're right about that um you're right about that well i'll tell you what let's slide out uh we'll come back we'll get uh, randy kelly in here talk to him about uh, what's going on with the party and uh uh, you know, the candidates and the redistricting and the whole nine yards. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this you never know yeah but yeah but let's not stop at apple also uh you can do the same thing on google play amazon and some of the more android friendly uh you know platforms Uh, as well i forget that dave is an android guy i am (laughs) me i'm a conformist and so you know go to apple but seriously wherever you go just do it just just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, don't, that. don't leave a bad one. Thank you. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. David Person. That's Person, no S. I just said that for Josh and Josh Moon, of course. And we are real happy to have with us, uh, we're always glad when he joins us, Reverend Dr. Randy Kelly. He is the senior pastor of Lakeside United Methodist Church, the historic Lakeside United Methodist Church here in Huntsville. And he is also the chair of the Alabama Democratic Party. Dr. Kelly, good to see you, sir. Yes, good to see y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, we we have a few issues we want to discuss with you. I'm going to start with one that's probably the easiest to deal with. We can just dispense with it pretty quickly, I think. And that is uh, the uh, the the appointment, or not? I'm sorry, not the appointment, but the um, the, uh, the the District Ten, the House District Ten situation, uh, and the governor now has set a special election date for the primary, uh, as well as the general election. Um, what's, your, what's your assessment uh, about uh, where the Democratic Party stands on trying to compete for this House seat? In what way? Be more explicit. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, first of all, um, we're aware of one candidate 
uh, Marilyn Land, who's already declared that she's running, and she was the person who ran against uh, David, Doctor David Cole. Uh, you know, before his uh, fraudulent uh, actions were really discovered. Um, are you aware of of anyone else? We have heard that there's going to be competition, that there's going to be, uh, that Maryland is going to have some competition. Are you aware of any competition? I have heard she was going to have some competition, but so far, to the best of my knowledge, she's the only one now that has declared. Mm-hmm. And basically, I was uh, at the courthouse uh, when she made an announcement, just basically supporting the, that individual Democratic candidate at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I don't know Miss Lands that well, mm-hmm. but she's a Democratic candidate. And so uh, I am, uh, you know, determined to support the Democratic Party. Yes, sir. So now if we have another candidate then I'm going to weigh the difference between those uh, specific candidates. I'm going to let them, uh, you know, run their race and what have you, going to be neutral. Hmm. Yeah, we have heard that uh, Triana Mayor Mary Cottle may be running in that primary. Have you heard? Have you heard her name? I hadn't heard her name, but I did hear about another candidate. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I heard about a candidate, but I didn't hear the, what the name was. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Y'all feel pretty good about the about that race. Uh, you know, the uh, just looking at it, it seemed like there was a lot of gains made last time. I think she lost. Uh, Marilyn Lands lost by seven seven points or so to to Cole. Uh, you feel pretty good about it going into this time. Yeah, I heard it was a very close election. Just talking with Miss Lands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she seemed to be like a you know, very nice lady, very competent. And uh, so just knowing her casually. And uh, that's the first conversation I had had with her yesterday, uh, yesterday uh, prior to the press conference. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have a sense as to, and, and you may not, because I mean, all of this is just, sort of unfolding right in front of us. But do you have a sense as to whether or not uh, Cole's, uh, these charges that he's facing, uh, do you think that's going to have an impact on Republican turnout uh, and maybe give us as Democrats an advantage in terms of that seat? Well, actually, I'm not sure about the Republican Party because the Republican Party seems to vote more emotionally than cognitively. Uh, they vote the feelings rather than vote uh, what they're thinking ought to be. Uh, and uh, you look at that baggage that Donald Trump has, and even with the Bonner report, you see how many uh, white evangelical Christians that are voting for a man with no moral compass. And a man has got a million charges on him in in several different places. So there's no uh, rationale behind voting for these specific Republican candidates. That is true. That's a thousand percent true. Right? But Scott, it does have to help a little bit uh, that, that that it's going to be a special election. And so you can't. I feel like a lot of David Cole's um, 
win you could attribute to just the fact that a, a bunch of people went out and voted straight Republican ticket uh, and not necessarily went to the polls to vote for David Cole. Uh, but they, you know, you had a U.S. Senate race at the top of that ticket at that time. And so, uh, you know, and then they just went, went out and bubbled in, you know, Republican and walked out and you they won't have, really have that advantage at this time. They're going to have to go in and actually vote for somebody. Right. I think you're absolutely right, Josh. Actually, but as you know, I have said redundantly, if the people just look at what the Republican Party has done for black, poor people, women, other disenfranchised people, then they wouldn't be voting for them. But if they just get on the phone or get on the computer and Google up the things that the Democratic Party has done, then there's no comparison. You look at things like Social Security, the Federal Home Act, the GI Bill, the uh, Democratic Party fought for the minimum wage, is constantly fighting for the livable wage. For students, they're trying to forgive a certain percentage of student loans to help the students. Uh, Biden basically saved the economy Mm. uh, with the Affordable Care Act and the rest, American Rescue Plan. And the man has been one of the most effective presidents that we have had in the history of America. The man created over 12 million jobs in a two-year period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's really there really isn't any comparison. Uh, I mean, and I've written it you know a thousand times by now, and and it's just. Uh, you know that you're right. It, it gets back down to emotion, and and Republicans are are really good at playing on people's emotions and fears. Uh, they have made a, a life out of it at this point, uh, as, as we brought up before. That if you if you actually pin people down, uh, you remove racism and and fear mongering from the equation, uh, and you you actually force folks to to judge uh, elections based on policy. Oh, they're they're in a world of hurt. That's right. If you don't mind, we move on just uh, to to the other topic that we wanted to bring up with you as well, um, and that is uh, the the rules and bylaws committee. And there was a marathon meeting uh, that took place. I want to say some nine hours or so last Friday. Um, how did you feel uh, the the meeting went, um, and and what do you what do you feel like the the prospects are looking forward? Well, I felt that the meeting went well, and I actually uh, welcome. Uh, the response from the challenges and what have you. Mm-hmm. And what I saw with the hearing office of Ms. Keenan, they basically uh, boiled it down to basically two issues. One was the credentialing and another one was basically the changing of the name uh, from caucus to committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I heard uh, concern about one young lady who's Native American uh, and she said I referred her to another person, uh, and I did, because that person had contacted me uh, about a Native American caucus. So I wanted to make sure both of them got in touch with each other. And, and I'm one of the groups that I didn't mention. The first one that I reached out to was Native American. They were people who I saw on our records that had supported the party in the past, but I got no response back uh, from the Native American. And so, but uh, the voting percentages, I think it was like 1.9% of the electorate in the uh, Biden campaign. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm very much interested in everybody coming into the party. We don't have any problems. Uh, we've just hired uh, a, a brilliant uh, pair, uh, executive director, as well as a communications director. Uh, one is white, and the other one has Native American heritage and is black. Mm-hmm. And so we have more white staff than we have black staff. And we have more white officers than have black officers. But now we are 61% of the electorate. So my concern is making the party as diverse as we possibly can. Do you, do you feel like, um, what, what do you feel like the, the outcome of this is going to be? Uh, um, do, do you feel like y'all can be successful in defending um, the the bylaws that you that you put in place, or do you feel like that there may have to be some changes? It may have to be some changes. Well, whatever the outcome is, I'm willing to accept it. Um, but the there's minor changes between these bylaws and the previous bylaws. There's no major changes in these bylaws, but we had three sets of bylaws. Mm-hmm. And there was another problem is the previous administration uh, didn't turn records over to us. We had all of that. It was a, the party was at an all-time low, really. As you know, they had just uh, had election coming up, and we suffered one of the worst losses ever in the history of the party mm-hmm. in that specific election. They had no get-out-the-boat mechanisms, no plan and left no monies whatsoever. And then did a terrible job in recruiting candidates. And the, my predecessor said that they hadn't met in three years. So, but uh, the way I look at it, there's no way for the party to go but up. But now I look at some powerful things that are going on in the party. We are strengthening our advantages in the metropolitan area with the re-election uh, Montgomery Mayor, Stephen Reed, mm-hmm. but also Mobile, the uh, Democrats in Mobile uh, basically uh, maintain uh, a, the uh, 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 district where you had a, a predominantly black uh, voting population. In. Mm-hmm. And we have organized uh, several counties. We've organized um, uh, about close to half a dozen counties. And we've got Bibb County on the way uh, September the 30th. Then I will be speaking at the Maccabee Activity Center in uh, Tuscaloosa, where I'll be speaking to multiple ADC county units. And of course, some of our people will be there from the uh, County Democratic Executive Committee. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, uh, we are uh, very excited because we've got new activities that are going on in the county units, and that's what we need. And what I have observed, that a lot of our county units has been inactive, no activity whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm primarily concerned about uh, generating activity in those county units. Yeah, last thing for me on this, um, you know, one one of the things I noticed in in one of the stories that were written that was written about the the meeting before the rules and bylaws committee was a comment from uh, from Josh Braby, 
uh, is from, um, I believe he was either the chair or just a member of the, of the disability caucus, uh, that was there. And, and, and you know, he said that he wanted more than anything, uh, for people to kind of come to some common ground in this, uh, figure out a way forward and, 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 and Democrats kind of stop pointing fingers at each other and, and, and move, you know, move it to where we're, we're pointing fingers at Republicans and talking about them more. Um, is there is there a way to do that? Do you feel like do you feel like that there that y'all can uh, get to a point where uh, the anger and the hurt feelings and stuff that y'all can y'all can kind of come together and 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 maybe not put it aside, but maybe listen to each other and 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 get together and and ease each other's minds on some of this stuff. Yeah, I um, actually the thing that I chose from, with our first convention is healing and building the party. And we had this uh, long-running disagreement. I don't have to rehash, I don't guess, about this issue between Worley and Jones and that bunch and how they wanted to get rid of Worley and all of this kind of stuff. So uh, that's one of my my things. But I really appreciated uh, Brother Raby and his comments. And uh, I'm very much concerned about doing something for those who are physically challenged. And uh, uh, because they're vital part of the party also. But now also, it's the way the thing was done. Now, I received this bill from the Renaissance Hotel for a couple thousand dollars for contraption that I had not even had a chance to even check with our treasurer of how much money that we had in treasury. But I can tell you, we didn't have any money because uh, people in the Democratic Party has been going in their pockets to keep the party uh, just afloat. Yeah, so 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 we have not had any funds to work with. Now, they, I'm not sure where the money went with the previous administration because yeah. they weren't connecting nobody. But we, when we uh, uh, inherited the party, the money was depleted. Have you ever got an explanation for, for that? Well, where the, where the money was went or spent? I don't don't have it. I do know that they had huge salaries. Yeah, yeah, they were making six figure salaries and all this kind of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. but now Nancy and I were working for free. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said earlier, uh, Doctor Kelly. You said that there were three sets of bylaws. That's right. It was uh, the bylaws under the World Administration. Then it was the bylaws under the Jones Administration. It was two sets of bylaws, I think, there. And then this bylaw, bylaws, basically, the purpose of it was cleaning up the old bylaw. But every administration, though, typically puts their bylaws together. Okay, so I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. So you're saying that when you assumed the uh, position of chair, there were two sets of bylaws that were that were still actively being utilized by the the party, being argued about of which bylaws that we were going by. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 So now I understand. Okay. I think I understand now. Okay. Okay. 
Well, um, Dr. Kelly, before we let you go, I want to uh, I want to ask you also about um, um, you know we're we're in the fall of 2023 on the cusp of a major uh, a major election year. Uh, what can you share with us about based on what you see right now? What can you share with us about what kinds of uh, activities or plans moving forward the party will have to uh, to try to uh, do what we can to uh, galvanize the vote in our state and make the Democratic Party uh, viable and competitive in this upcoming election year? Well, I see one of our weaknesses as a party right off is organizing in our county unit. I see a lot of them don't know how to organize. Uh, I use the Juneteenth Festival that you were there as a model of pulling people together. We bring, the last two years, we brought together an average of 47 organizations and numerous churches having something different. At one juncture, we had Jefferson and Jackson dinners in some of our metropolitan areas, but people were appalled by the name because both of them were slave owners. But now some of them cease to do that in many areas. We've had units that hadn't done hardly anything in here. And that's the main thing is building life. And I look at organizing as organizing from the top down in the community and building coalitions with like organizations. So we have a lot of organizations that share democratic values such as Alabama Rise, Faith in Action, NAACP. And we're working separately, but we're not working together. And we all are voting in the same way. We got the same issues. We're concerned about um, uh, medic medical care, Medicaid, Social Security, democratic values and all of that. And I say that everybody's operating, but very few people are cooperating. Mm-hmm. So we need to cooperate at some juncture. And even though the, some of these organizations deal with direct activism, well, I'm in line with them because I don't mind putting my feet in the street. I've been an SCLC president, been an NAACP president. So I think that we need to sometimes protest because that's how we got the Voting Rights Act was uh, through Bloody Sunday and, 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 and the Civil Rights Act through uh, Project C in Birmingham under Reverend Fred Schell's work and those freedom fighters there. So that I, I see that pulling these coalitions together in these communities is one of our strengths. And then also telling the story. We're not telling the Democratic story, the values of what the Democratic Party stands for today of what it has stood for in the past since the Civil Rights Movement. Now, it didn't stand for anything but slavery and the slave trade and expanding slavery across the country and and declaring war on the country in order to maintain slavery, that's what it stood for in the past. But tell them what it has done since uh, the uh, Black progress through protest. Yes, sir. Um, before Josh closes us out, I want to, I just want to take a moment. And, and look, uh, I just spoke at the um, uh, the uh, uh, a center 
uh, up here, uh, Harrison Center. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, a couple of hundred young folk there. Okay. And they interviewed him on Fox 54. But I was inspired and excited and rejuvenated about the reception of some of those young folks with what I had to say to that specific group. And they interviewed them, mostly those young people. And so that's what the future is of the Democratic Party. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And tied in with that, I want to just, uh, before Josh closes us out for this segment, I want to thank you for uh, hosting uh, the event that's going to be held on Friday evening with Michael Brown Sr. Uh, It's going to be there at Lakeside United Methodist Church. Uh, six o'clock, uh, seven o'clock actually is when uh, the program starts. But uh, Michael Brown Sr., the father of Michael Brown, who was uh, killed uh, by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. And also there's going to be a film screening of um, a documentary about uh, that horrific incident called Ferguson Rise. Uh, right after uh, we have our conversation with Michael Brown Sr. Thanks for thanks for being the host for that. We appreciate it. Well, we're honored. Uh, I, every church I pastor has been for the community. Yeah. Listen, uh, Dr. Kelly, we we do appreciate you coming on uh, and 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 answering the questions. That's that's one thing you know. It's uh, we may disagree here or there, but the one thing that folks need to keep in mind is while while we disagree on a few little minor things, we disagree with Republicans on a lot of major things. All right, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and uh, well, and, and we appreciate you coming on and answering questions and uh, and always being available uh, yes. when, whenever we've called and and asked and uh, and that uh, that means a lot. And we we thank you, sir, and and good luck in the future. All right. Thank you for your invitation. All yes, right, sir. take Thank care. You. That is uh, Dr. Randy uh, Kelly, Reverend Dr. Randy Kelly, I should say, the chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party. And we're going to slide out. We'll come back in just a minute and wrap this baby up. Alabama Politics This Week, back in a minute. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama Politics This Week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, Reminder, if uh, you would like to get in touch with us, uh, you can do so at apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. I believe we did have uh, an email from this week, but uh, they were critical of me, so we'll not read it. Uh, And um, because my show, uh, you know... (laughs) <laughs> it, I, I thought I, I didn't realize it was critical of you. I thought uh, it was. Okay. Uh, I can't remember now. I may, generic, I may be combining. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm looking for our producer uh, up in up in New York to give us some guidance here. But I could have sworn that what I saw was not critical of you, but was right? a question. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, maybe. Let's see. Uh, bye bye. Twenty twenty. Trump won by three counties. 
Uh, and uh, thinner margin red counties he won. Madison, Barber, Connecticut were the only light red counties. A show that explored that with a person or people with expert knowledge in this area would be interesting. Yeah, I think that's it. I, our producer just put that up on the screen. I think he's right. That's the one that, that I was yeah. thinking about. Yeah. Okay, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of one from last week that, that I didn't read on purpose. <laughs> um, I didn't even know there was one from last week. So there you go. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I obviously I deleted that one in time. Um, all right, yeah. So, but listen, no. If you would like to, you know, to contact us and get us to respond, and yes, David, that is a good idea. We could we could absolutely uh, uh, talk to to some experts about uh, about this stuff, and uh, we we probably won't make the uh, episodes any longer right immediately uh, since we've had uh, you know several people that wanted us to. Uh, uh, to cut them down uh, a little bit, which I don't, again, you know, I mean, turn it off. you got the stop button right there. You know, it's not like we're interrupting your day on the damn radio or something. You know, you're not getting back to the hits or something, you know, I mean, just turn it off, hit the button, you know, uh-huh. we stop. But, you know, the, the, but the other thing is, is, you know, as I mentioned, when we came on, David's got important people he's got to go and work with. And, and, and listen, oh, I'm boy. just happy that he does this with me still. OK. <laughs> um, and uh, and so, uh, you know, that's that that's all we're trying to do here is that. All right. Um, we want to bring up one thing before we get to the right wing nut. And mm-hmm. the, the one thing is uh, this this really, really. Uh, interesting, I guess. I don't want to say funny, but interesting fight that's been taking place between Chris Elliott and Chris England. Um, mm. that, that really kind of uh, became public last week at the uh, contract review committee hearing uh, where uh, Chris Elliott, it's a Republican from the Mobile area, uh, decided to hold up contracts related to the West Alabama Corridor Project. Uh, because, you know, there's a $800 million or so going into this project in which they're going to expand a couple of highways and essentially create this infrastructure that the the Western Alabama has lacked forever. I mean, yeah. you know, if you live in some of those Western counties, uh, you are in a world of hurt uh, because you have, you have no prospects of getting, getting companies or recruiting businesses over there. I believe it was Thomasville mayor uh, that held this whole big media gaggle with folks to show them what this would mean to his community and how, how demonstrated to them, how he's tried to recruit companies that would love to come there because of the workforce he has and the, and the, uh, the, the site preparation that he's done and everything else, but he can't get them because they don't have some other basic infrastructure that's there. They don't have people that are connected and, and part of that is getting a decent highway system in over there. And yeah, so, we're talking, you know, we're talking about, uh, are we talking about Butler where Butler is? I think it's Butler. Is that, is, isn't I'd that part of that map. area? I think so. I'd have to look at a map, but I, I I'm not, I'm not sure exactly uh, what all is over there. Um, mm. but anyways, it's, okay. you know, it's a bunch of those, uh, you know, that area. That area, you know, the area that nobody ever goes to because mm. there's no roads over there, you know. Um, yeah, going towards Mississippi, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Over yeah, Mississippi, kind of like south, tus- south of Tuscaloosa. Yeah, in there, you know. Yeah, it's right, and and you know, it it. I mean, it's been a minute since I've been over that part of the state, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's um, it's almost like being in Mississippi or someplace, being out of the state almost. No, it is. Yeah. And just listen, if we can run an interstate. In the area 
between south of Montgomery and Mobile, then we can run an interstate and we got to be able to fix up anything because I've heard people say that you know, y'all ought to just give all that back to the Native Americans because you're not doing anything with it. Mm. Um, you know, and, and that's true. And look, there is there is no reason why that that area over there should not be built up and, and provided infrastructure. It's been neglected for years. For years, and now you have these people who want to argue about it, and a lot of it, as we know, we know where where it comes from. You know, we have white people wants, and we have black people wants, and mm. uh, you know, and so we know what typically wins out in this state. And the, you know, the white people want the the area of uh, sixty five. They want they want to expand sixty five. Which I got to tell uh, Will Ainsworth, you, you need to get some better stuff. All right. Uh, 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 widening 65 is fine. All right. That's that's a fine project. And, and nobody who travels 65 on a regular basis would be against it. Right. Although uh, the they they worked on that interstate in Coleman for 12 years. And, and I, I still can't tell any difference. Hmm. And so but, you, you know, if you're Ainsworth and you're going to be running for governor, you need to start doing some more substantial things. And. Otherwise, we're going to end up with Governor Steve Marshall, and nobody wants that. Yeah, nobody so talk, wants that. So talk to your boy, because I don't yeah, want that. Yeah, listen, uh, um, y'all, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of Will Ainsworth fans here pretty soon. I'm not going to be <laughs> They're going to be joined on the bandwagon by a lot of people. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, because... <laughs> yeah, the alternative does not bode well for this state as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, no. No, it does not, or for anybody. Um, so, but listen, this so this project they this project is expensive. It is expensive, and and I'm not against finding ways to to cut costs out of it. Okay, I'm not against that at all, or exploring the ways to cut costs. But I don't think you can do it because the areas have been neglected for so long. It's going to require so much work. Mm-hmm. So now now they're always going to max out our borrowing power. When is it? When has a government ever had maxed out borrowing power? You know, Detroit was in a bankruptcy and was still borrowing money. Stop it! Uh, and and it, it just it stinks of the same old good old boy kind of politics, you know, mm. where we want the money for our project, not your project. And yeah. um, and so Chris England, in response to this, held up every. <laughs> DOT contract. <laughs> just so now you're not gonna get them in. You're not gonna get any of them in. Um, no. Now they can't stop it. They can't stop it. He can only hold it up for 45 days, um, which is another thing that is completely ridiculous about this state. Did you? Were you aware of this? Were you aware of no. this? Yeah. Mm-mm. So under contract review, uh, we have a contract review committee, right? And mm-hmm. these people. On the on the review committee, they're so sensitive whenever you bring up the the actual facts of what they're doing, um, because they they want to feel like I guess they have some power in this, okay. uh, but they can't stop anything. If a if a ent- agency in this state goes in and signs a contract with somebody, they cannot stop it. All hmm. they can do is hold it up and require that entity to to send them more information about the contract. And basically, they can publicly embarrass them for a few minutes inside this contract review committee hearing that nobody attends. Um, and mm. so, you know, it just it's it's absurd. 
Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's where we are in the state. But, yeah, that's uh, – yeah, so so England uh, has held up all the contracts and uh, and Elliot's held up the other contract. And for 45 days, people will be in limbo, I guess. Mm. So it's just a standoff between between the two Chris's. Yeah, standoff between the two Chris's. But, mm. uh, you know, a worthy one, I would say. Maybe it'll draw some attention and people will pay attention to what's kind of going on to you know in, mm. the, in their state for, for a change. Maybe we can – well, Chris, is, Chris England has been a guest of ours, of course, uh, multiple times. I think he's an extremely sharp guy, an asset to the state, an asset to the to the legislature. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm I am, you know, I am predisposed to thinking if he's doing it, it must be the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah he very he very rarely has been. Oh, actually, I don't. I can't think of a single. I shouldn't say rarely because that implies that he's done something that has been. Um, outside of of common sense or or the right thing to do, and I can't think of a single time in which that's happened uh, mm. with, with Chris. It's it's always even when you know even when other folks were were doing some stuff, he stayed out of the fray uh, on some things that didn't really make sense. I think, and um, and I, I just yeah, you're right. Whenever he does it, you always look at it and go, "Well, wait, why is Chris involved in this?" You know, and um, and I think that's. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't get emotional a lot either. You know, he'll get yeah. he'll get fired up about somebody doing the wrong thing. He gets fired up about prisons and uh and the way our, our pardons and paroles work and things like that, but he doesn't get fired up too often. Uh he's mostly a level headed, very calm, well spoken guy that, that, that can lay out an argument and you don't even realize that he's cutting out your heart until it's gone. <laughs> um and you know, it's I've seen I've seen people go to the podium uh with him and and it's just you you know you know it's coming you know mm. it's it's going to be a mortal combat you know fatality uh type deal at the end and it's over um before they even realize it but yeah it it is a you know he he was going to be on with us but they had a redistricting hearing uh this week and so he had to maybe we can get him on next week and and talk yeah. some more about that and a little more in depth about redistricting as well uh but uh all right to wrap this baby up, right wing nut of the week is uh, David's girl, Lauren Bobert. He's a big Look. fan. Uh, got Look. posters of her on his wall. Uh, she's uh, she is uh, she didn't get to finish out Beetlejuice. Uh, the uh, the play the Beetlejuice, musical. yeah, the musical Beetlejuice oh. was uh, was in her state, and um, she went. And she did not get to finish it out because apparently her party was a little too rowdy, mm. um, and they uh, they got themselves booted. There's actual video of her being <laughs> told to leave. Mm. <laughs> oh, a security footage video of her being told to leave. Uh, according to the the folks who were there uh, and some of the security people who were working the event, uh, they said that uh, they had received numerous complaints about Bobert and her group being loud and uh, recording. Uh, the play as, uh, as they were there, which is anybody who's been to a play knows you cannot record. Uh, it's no. you, 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 you're supposed to put your a lot of a lot of them now force you to put your phones in those little bags. Uh, yeah, and uh, you can't and you, lock you, them up. Yeah, you get you get them unlocked when you start to leave, and mm-hmm. uh, we've had to do that. We had to do that with a comedian. Do you know? Uh, one of the first experiences I had with that was here in Huntsville at Stand Up Live. We went to see Cat Williams. Uh, no, Pete Davidson. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, Pete huh. Davidson had a, a just a surprise show, and I'm we're on like the little I don't know, I won't say VIP, but whatever the preferred customer list thing right. is for because we go to a lot of the stand up live shows, and so they called and was like, hey, well, Pete Davidson's coming, would y'all like tickets? And so yeah, we said yeah, of course. We, we went over and we get in line, and they come around, uh, and first of all, they give us the bag to put our phones in when we get near the front, and then they also come around and have us sign an NDA. <laughs> Hmm. Which says we cannot talk about it on social media or anywhere else. We what? cannot talk about the otherwise we'll face legal action uh, uh, if we reveal any of the things he talked about, which is totally unenforceable. I mean, it's huh. just no, there's no way you can enforce it. But, uh, you know, I didn't really want to talk about it. I don't want to spoil the show for somebody else. But, um, hmm. you know, it was it was a good show. It was very funny. Uh, really? Yeah, very funny. He- I've never seen his stand-up, but I have seen, uh, I'll tell you, I, I think it was uh, when Dave Chappelle was in Birmingham, probably um, 2014, 15, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Uh, me and wife number two, we went down there and uh, saw him. And uh, I'll tell you, man, he was hilarious. But I do remember there being some kind of a situation with the phones. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what they did, but I do, I vaguely recall that they had us do something. Maybe it was put them in those little bags or something. Yeah. I can't remember, but uh, I would tell you if, if uh, <laughs> his routine was so filthy. Oh my God, it was filthy. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was embarrassed at times just laughing at some of the stuff. It was smart though. It was yeah. smart filled. Yeah. Yeah, smart filth, but man, was it filthy! Yeah, we we went to we've uh, we've had a I've had been forced to put my phone in a bag at numerous shows, Um, Uh and because you know we go to see a lot of folks here in Huntsville, and when they come through Huntsville, typically a comedian is working on their material for an upcoming special of some sort, a big name. uh, So Jerry Seinfeld came through, went to see him, which I think that might be my my favorite show that I've ever been to. He's a um, good stand-up. He is. He is excellent, and, yeah. and and he puts it is it is a job that he takes seriously. Uh, you know that. I mean, he did ninety minutes in Huntsville. Mm. You know, on a Friday mm. night in like February. You know, mm. and as he said during the show, he said, "Let's be honest." If you were me, would you be here right now? And no, no. I mean, he's basically, you know, pulling in millions of dollars a year from those Seinfeld residuals. And no, there's no chance I'd be on a beat somewhere, you know. Uh, but it's uh, he was great. He was really great. Uh, Kevin Hart was good. Uh, yeah, he's did, not did. too bad. He come through working on his stuff uh, for this last special he had that, that came out on uh, Netflix or wherever it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, back in like July, and um, yeah, so I mean, we we go to a lot, man. We're we're big uh, stand up folks. So me and my brother love them. Um, my yeah. wife and his wife tolerate them, uh, and so but yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we we do that. That's uh that's that's our gig. So uh, I, I love I love stand up comedy. I don't go out a lot to see it, but I do love it. And periodically, yeah. I'll go see somebody. Yeah. It's it's a. Uh, you know, I like to go every now and then to uh, to a show with 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 folks that are just trying trying it. You know, it's like an open mic kind of deal, and mm. and you see, you can tell. It makes you appreciate more the people who are really good at it. Mm. Um, you know, every now and then you'll find somebody who you think, man, with a little work, that person would would be really great. Uh, but you know, more often than not, you come to realize just how refined 
and how good and how talented these people are uh, yep. at, at this craft, and 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 that it is an actual craft. You cannot just get up on this stage and rattle off you know funny stories about yourself. Uh, it is it is something else. So, all right. Yeah. Now that we've covered that, oh, would you like to talk about football for a little while before we leave, or do you just want to go ahead and get on? Uh, I'll take a pass this week. Okay. Other than to shout out Deion Sanders and say, I think he's changing college football. Uh, All I'm going to say is, I believe I had that one. Okay. I said (laughs) when Auburn was looking for a coach, all right. And I'm not a huge, I'm not a Hugh Freeze uh, downer kind of person. All right. Yeah. I think Auburn could, could have done a little better, but I'm not a guy that, that hates you for ease or anything like that. I appreciate what the man is trying to do and turning his life around after making a very public and very embarrassing mistake. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I, I see what he's trying to do, but I said with the NIL and the transfer portal, the way that it is right now, if you have a coach like Deion Sanders, and if he can do those things, if he can manage the portal in NIL the right way and attract players the way that we think he can, while also running a disciplined program, which he very much seems to do, mm-hmm. you, you, you're changing. You, you, there's nowhere to go but up. You, you pull every player everywhere. I, one of the funniest memes I've seen was uh, Sanders at the end of the uh, the upset over TCU and he's standing on the field talking to the running back that had transferred to TCU from Alabama. And, that, you know, you can't, it's just a picture of him, the two of them standing there and he's got his head down talking to him. And and the little, little, little meme was this is the scariest photo ever for an opposing coach. <laughs> you, know, you do not want this guy talking to your players on the field. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah. because you, you see it. I mean, you see what's going on. You see how much they love him. Yep. You see how much, you know, how they want to fight. You see that they're a, they are a very disciplined program. That dude brought in 68 players. Mm. And they, in both of the, I believe in both of these first two games, the opponents have had more penalties than them. Mm. I, I don't, I don't think you could find that out of a Nick Saban team. Now, and let me ask you this before we get out of here. That first game, I missed. I've I, admittedly, I missed the first two games. Hopefully, I won't miss the next one. But in that first game, his son, Deion's son, the mm-hmm. quarterback, Shadur, throws for five hundred and ten yards. Yeah. I've never heard of anybody throwing for five hundred and ten yards ever. I mean, <laughs> no, is I- that? Is that that, really? It happens. It happens a lot more these days, you know, with the open offenses really? and things. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and so it's, but you know, uh, as a you know, the first game up, and 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 Dion was right when he talked about, oh, you talking about Shadur? You mean the kid from the HBCU, the kid that couldn't play at this level? Is that right. you talking about him? You know, and, right. and that was. That's very fair. There was a lot of the criticism. Yeah, he's doing it at Jackson State, but he wouldn't be able to do that against the, you know, the Auburns or the Alabamas or or teams like that. But lo and behold, it seems like he is because uh, he threw for another uh, good amount against Nebraska, which has a, a pretty good defense. Nebraska's been down, but they've got a pretty good defense this year. Um, and, you know, and he makes smart decisions. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he, you know, he just, he's a good quarterback. He's very accurate with the ball. And, uh, and I'll tell you this though, people talk about him and, and the 510 yards are great. Travis Hunter is a dude. All right. Mm. You'll hear about Travis Hunter for a long, long time. Uh, okay. cause that kid's going to go to the NFL and he's going to, he's going to make some noise there. He is, he is really good. Really good. 
Would have been lovely to see him in orange and blue down on the plains on Saturday because you could have had them both. And yeah. a head coach that revolutionized the whole SEC and ter- just absolutely tore things up. But, oh, well, at least you got the prayer circle going on in Auburn. So. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> What's up? Uh, got- episode of the righteous gemstones down there oh, all right yeah. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah. all right let's slide out of here till next week all y'all right, be man. safe out there peace peace